Pull out your message notes. We are in a series called Unstuck and Unstoppable. Uh, we've been in this for the last five weeks. Today will be the fifth week. And uh, I'm talking about my book, uh, the topic Unstuck and Unstoppable. This last year, I finished a book called Unstuck and Unstoppable. It's going to be released this uh, fall. We're excited for it to go public. Uh, but if you're here today and you don't have a copy and you're new here to Anchor Ben, uh, we actually have a pre-release copy we'd love to put into your hands uh, I believe the message is one that God birthed in my heart. It was, it was definitely a journey over the last couple of years. Um, we've been through a lot. Come on, somebody. We, we've been through a lot through a church and individually and as a nation and as the world. There's been a lot of challenges that we've faced. And the book really was birthed out of my own personal journey of feeling stuck. Um, I was stuck, felt stuck. I knew I was stuck. stuck. I mean, awareness sometimes is half the battle. Just being honest is half the battle. Sometimes we're like, I'm not stuck. I'm like, you stuck. He just, God, I'm stuck. And uh, I was praying, complaining to God. Oh, God, help me. And, and you just kind of complain, and God brought me to his word. Aren't you grateful for a God who gives us his word that helps us walk through the situations that we're faced with in life? And he brought me to Acts 27 and 28, the story of Paul being shipwrecked on the island of Malta. He's headed to Rome to go and be a, a witness to Caesar. And throughout this journey, he gets shipwrecked. A lot of bad things happen to him. And yet through this process of bad things happening to him, God is still able to use him to basically bring revival to the island. It's amazing that no matter what he walks through, he doesn't get stuck. We look at Paul's life and he's actually unstoppable. Then nothing the enemy brings towards him can stop him from fulfilling God's purpose in his life. And that's my desire for each and every one of you, that you would be unstoppable, that you may feel stuck now, but you're not going to stay stuck. Just because you're stuck doesn't mean you're stranded, that there's hope for the future. And uh, we know that, uh, I, as I was writing the book, I've talked about it, 80% of Americans feel stuck. 80% of Americans and, and we know that they're feeling stuck in their marriage. Maybe it's their finances. Maybe it's their family. Maybe it's their physical health or their career path or spiritually. We just know that they feel like there's an area of their life where they are feeling stuck. And so that's where the book was birthed out of. How do I help you get unstuck? And funny thing about it, one of my best friends in the whole world, I called him multiple times um, I know he's watching right now, and it's so funny. I, I would call him and, and really say, hey, brother, I, I just want you to know, man, I feel stuck. In fact, I've never felt more stuck and more stoppable than when I was writing this book. Aren't you glad that God uses the foolish to confound the wise? Aren't you glad that I don't have to have it all figured out, but as I'm in the journey, I can still help other people who are in the journey, that it's not about a final destination, but it's all about journeying with God and making sure we bring people with us? And I really uncovered that the reason, really the primary reason we get stuck is because we fail to discover or we neglect or we lose sight of one of four essential building blocks of life, identity, purpose, vision, or paradigm. One of those four major areas in our life. And, and we recognize that if I'll address those areas when I get stuck, then, then you become unstoppable in your life. You can learn how to move your life forward. 
And a couple of weeks ago, we started with the identity. Who are you in Christ? Last week, we talked about purpose. What's your assignment? That every one of you have a God-given assignment. Are you on assignment or have you started drifting? Today, we're going to talk about vision. Vision. I want you to understand how important vision is in your life. And I'm actually going to give you four keys to realizing God's vision for your life. Four keys to realizing God's vision for your life. Look, if you don't have God's vision for your life, when you get in a tough spot, you'll get stuck. So we've, we've got to realize, God, that if, if, if I'm stuck, maybe I know who I am, maybe I know my assignment, but now it's painful, now it's hard, and vision, which is the first key, is the ability to see beyond your present reality into the future reality that God has for you. So it's beyond the now, it's beyond the present. Vision is all about the future. It's understanding where God wants you to go and what God's going to lead you to. And so vision is what gives us the hope for tomorrow. It's the hope for a future that God places inside of our life. And so we need to really see beyond the now and say, God, what do you have in the future? And when we do, it changes us from the inside out. So, so let me give you an example of looking beyond your present reality into the future reality that God has for you. Maybe you're sitting here right now and you feel stuck financially. You find yourself, you feel that, that you're broke and you realize, man, I'm drowning in debt. And, and, and being in this situation has nothing to do with income. You can make lots of money and still be broke and drowning in debt. And so you find yourself in this situation. Vision says, I know where I'm at, but there is something greater that God has for my life. See, what would vision be? That God would give you provision and that you would live debt-free. See, you may be broke right now. You may be drowning in debt, but the vision of God is that I'm going to have everything I need and that my life is going to be debt-free. Why? Because that gives God glory. Romans 13, 8 says to owe no man anything but to love one another. That God, that's your vision. I don't want to owe anything. I don't want to have any debt in my life. Philippians 4.19 says, my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That the vision is, God, you've got more than enough. And God, I can live a life that's debt-free. Regardless of what it looks like right now, there is a future reality in God. Maybe your current reality is you're sick. You're physically sick. You're struggling with some health challenges. God's vision is that you would be healed. Let me say that again. God's vision is that you would experience healing in your life. Look at James chapter 5, verse 14 through 15. It says, is anyone sick? Let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer that is offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up, and if they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. So what are you saying, Pastor, that God has a vision, and it's not for you to be unhealthy and for your body to be broken down, but God has a vision for your life to be healthy physically. There's something beyond the now, the problems of this moment. Maybe you've got a lost loved one. Maybe it's your son. Maybe, maybe it's a spouse that you live with. You got saved and gave your life to Christ, but yet they're not living for God. And, and so, Pastor, what's the vision? The vision is that God would save my loved one. 
I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how they act. I'm going to stand on God's word and get a vision for my life for the future. Joshua 24, 15. This is a passage you ought to hold on to. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's God's vision for your life. That's God's vision for your family. So I'm not going to let this present reality dictate the future of what God has for me. So what's the vision for your marriage? What's God's vision for your finances? What's God's vision for your career? What's God's vision for your spiritual life? You you gotta realize it's not just, hey, I'm gonna be this in one area. Every area of your life needs vision. God, where are you taking me? Not where I'm at now, but God, where are you taking me? Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. One translation, I put that in parentheses, it says they perish. But blessed is he who keeps the law. So, so Pastor Woods is saying, look, when you don't have prophetic vision, when you can't see the future, when you can't see beyond the now, look, you will cast off restraint. In other words, whatever happens, happens. There are no guardrails to cover your life. And in fact, you'll perish. Well, Pastor, do you die physically? Well, some have spiritually, relationally, emotionally, like all of those areas. When you don't have vision, you're just subject to what happens to you. And so on the inside, some of you are sitting here right now and you feel like you are dying from the inside out. And maybe you know who you are in Christ and maybe you know what your assignment is right now. But the truth is you've allowed the enemy to rob you of the vision of where God wants to take you. And so on the inside, you've just been dying. Life is empty. There's great void. You're drifting from this place to that place. You're aimlessly searching for meaning and purpose. And you see, God never intended for you to just exist. He has a plan for you to live fully alive, fully uh, moving forward in vision that he has for you. Vision is the fuel and the passion of life. Vision's what helps you realize where you are is not where you're going to end up. See, some of you needed to come here this morning to hear me say, where you're at right now is not where you're going to end up. I know your marriage is a mess, but that's not where it's going to stay. I know your finances are a mess, but that's not where they're going to stay. I know your family's dysfunctional, but that's not where it's going to stay. God wants to move you forward with his vision for your life. It's not where you're going to stay. I love how the psalmist said in Psalm 23... We are familiar with the passage, but in verse four, I love what he says. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. But isn't it amazing? He didn't say, yea, though I camp out. Yea, though I just stand still. God wants us to move forward. I know it's painful. I know it hurts. I know someone betrayed you. I know that life has not been as kind to you as to others. But here's what I would tell you. Can you just keep moving forward? Can you just say, God, that's where I'm headed? And you just keep walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You're not going to get stuck. You're not going to stay there. You're going to keep moving forward. Why? Because God's given you fresh vision. You know, one of the things that I've learned, probably one of the greatest principles that most people are unaware of is that you will become what you see. You will become what you see. 
I had a conversation with my grandpa, the one that I was telling you about that's at home right now. It's about a decade ago, and he said, if I had the chance to do it again, Jimbo, I wouldn't do it. It was the worst decision of my entire life. Now, what Grandpa was talking about was lap band surgery. My grandfather had lap band surgery done. Now, he has always struggled with his weight. He had gone through all the fad diets and trends, and he would lose weight and gain it back and lose weight and gain it back. And him and Granny began to do some research on this lap band surgery and felt like it was the option for him to take for him to lose the weight he needed to be healthy. And it seems like it would work, right? They change your stomach on the inside so you can't eat more as much as you used to. You would think it would work, but the challenge with Grandpa was he was like the 70% of people who this didn't work for is that he didn't deal with some of the reasons why he was eating, and so he would get sick and throw up. And struggled with that, and to this day, he still struggles with the eating and, and, and being able to put inside of him the nutrients that he needs and, and realized that not only did he not lose weight, but here he is, he has actually gained all of that weight plus some back. Fast forward a couple of years after I talked to Grandpa, I'm in Montana with some pastors, and there's a pastor that I've known over the years and watching him, and he has lost a lot of weight. In fact, he lost 150 pounds. So I happened to be on this trip with him, and I said, hey, tell me about your life. Like, how are you losing all this weight? And he goes in, and he tells me, and he said, well, I had the lap band surgery. And I'm like, wow, Grandpa did too. He said, it didn't work. I said, what? He said, no, it didn't work. And so I went to go see another doctor. And when I went and saw this other doctor, I went and got a gastric sleeve. I had a consult with him and, and said, look, that didn't work. I need some help. If I don't lose this weight, I'm not going to live to be at the age that I want to live to. And the doctor said, I'll do it. I'll do this surgery. But what I need you to do is I need you to take six months of counseling before we'll ever touch your body. And so my friend said for six months, he began to go into counseling and he began to talk to the counselor and what he discovered was the success of weight loss has very little to do with physical food, but has everything to do with self-image. That as you see yourself, you will fulfill that prophecy. So if you see yourself as no discipline, all the fat, fluffy, whatever you want to call it. He said, what happens is subconsciously you will work to fulfill the very image that you see. And he said, when I went to the doctor, I had to change the vision of what I saw so that I could be the man that I needed to be. He had to re-image himself. See, it's not an image. It's not a weight problem. It's an image problem. Reimaging himself. He had a clear vision of where he was going and who he was to become over time. And it changed his life. Absolutely. I wonder if there are not those of us here today, we've got to reimage our lives. Yeah, I know you think that the problem is this, but I wonder if that's really not the problem at all. I wonder if it's how you see yourself. You've been in a dysfunctional marriage for so long, that's all you see. You just see the dysfunction. And so as you see it, that's what you fulfill. Maybe it's your finances. You've been broke. Your parents have always been broke. You've never known anything other than poverty. And so when God tries to bless you, yeah, you started tithing, but you couldn't even keep the blessing God brought when you were tithing. Why? Because you saw yourself as broke, busted, 
Can't ever, never go amount to nothing. So you fulfill what it is that you see. See, we've got the negativity inside of us, the thoughts, the words. See, I wonder if some of our inner dialogue is, I'll never have money. I'll never be debt free. My family will always be dysfunctional. I'll always be overweight. I'll never be disciplined. I'll never get up to pray and read my Bible. I'll never have a real healthy marriage. See, whatever it is that you're telling yourself, what you're really doing is you're setting the image for the future. So no matter what image God has, you fulfill the image you have. You become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So what do you do, Pastor? That's great, that's me. I find myself wrestling with the old life instead of seeing the new life. Well, we've got to take responsibility. Let me say that again. <laughs> we got to take responsibility. I know I didn't get a whole lot. Yeah, I get it. See, it's our responsibility to discover God's life that he has for us. What's the vision that God has for my life? It's your responsibility. That's the second key. Your responsibility, discovering God's vision for your life. You're the only one that can take that responsibility. We got to stop making excuses because if you excuse yourself, you only validate your present reality. It allows you to be comfortable in your dysfunction, in the place where you're stuck. And so we got to say no to the excuses and yes to God's vision. I know it's easy to say, listen, young people. I'm too young. I'm just a teenager. You know, I'm just a young adult. I'm just a child. But, but think about Joseph. Joseph was 17 years old. David was a teenager. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were all young teenagers. And yet they found themselves just like the disciples, young men who had God's vision for their life. They weren't perfect. They didn't have it all together. But they refused to believe what others were saying that was negative. They refused to believe what they said that was negative. And they said, God, I want your vision for my life. And we see them right change their worlds. No excuses. Maybe, maybe the excuse is I'm too old. I think about that. You know, I'm 45 years young. I'm probably right in the middle. Look, 80, 90 don't sound that old anymore. <laughs> think about Abraham. He was 100 years old. Sarah was 100 year, 90 years old when God birthed the promise through them. God gave them a vision. You'll be a father of many nations. And I believe what happened was God gave him the vision. And you know what I believe? As Abraham focused on God's promise, I believe his body got younger. He started to have energy where he didn't have energy before. He had strength in his body. And something happened. See, you can choose to focus on the old dead self of your past, or you could choose to focus on the new person that God has created with life and purpose. And I wonder that as we focus on this new image, that something doesn't happen on the inside. See, you're expecting something to happen on the outside, and God's saying, I want to change you from the inside. Oh, I'm just a failure, pastor. No, no, we've all failed. Here's the good thing about failure. Failure's not final. Come on. I got breath in my lungs. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to make mistakes, but it's not final. And as long as there's breath in my lungs, there is hope. And my God will move me forward to the vision that he has called me to fulfill. I got a lot of problems. Yeah, yeah, everybody's got problems. We all have problems. So, so we just have to say, no, I'm not going to focus 
on what the enemy tries to cause me to focus on that's negative and the old life. I'm gonna focus on the promise of God, the truth of God. John chapter eight, verse 31. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciples. Then look what he says, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Isn't that powerful? Like it's not even about you being a Christian. You can have the Christian label and not be a disciple. I, th I think that's where we gotta be careful. You can come to church, we can dress it up. I can't tell if you're a disciple or what you say, hey, praise God, God bless you. Look, the Bible's very clear. Jesus just said, if you really are my disciple, you will hold to my teaching. And then when you know that you're a disciple, you live the life of a disciple, I love, it's the truth that sets you free. So you're trying to get affirmation from your spouse, your kids, your friends. I'm telling you, all you need is affirmation from God. Get in his word, say, God, let your truth change me. I know I feel this way, but this is who you really called me to be. It causes you to be pulled through your day of pain. You don't get stuck. You're moving forward. The third key is vision helps you press on when life gets tough. You get the vision of God for your life. You don't stay focused on the now. You don't stay where you're at. You just keep moving forward. And there are days, listen, I want you to know, there are some days all you can do is stand. Here's what I would say. The Bible says, stand. Then there's some days that all you can do is take a step. Here's what I would say. Take a step. I don't know how, just, just take one step. And then there's days that you can run. And you know what I say, run, baby, run. But I know this, that God's plans are greater than my plans. God's ways are greater than my ways. And I refuse to be defeated. I will stand strong in the promises of God. And when life gets tough, I'm not gonna quit. Vision helps you stay focused. So here's, here's a question I'd ask. What's God's vision for your life? If I were to ask you that, what would you say? You know, somebody like, well, I don't know. What's God's vision for your life? Maybe that's why it's so hard to stay focused. I, I'm reminded, you know, of course, we, we've been doing the whole study on Paul, his life. He had vision. I mean, going to the island of Malta, he knew he was going to Rome to stand before Caesar. You know, for him, he's like, that's why I'm not going to die on this boat. God's got a plan for my life. You know, he He knows. But I also thought about this. I was geeking out on Discovery Channel. The older you get, you like geek out on stuff like that. I mean, you thought your parents were weird, and then now you're that person. You're weird. They were talking about Noah's Ark, and they've made this replica of Noah's Ark, and it's a monstrosity of a boat. It's absolutely breathtaking to see how this man could build that boat. But when you look at the life of Noah, God says he was a righteous man, and God speaks to Noah, and then God gives him a word. Look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 13 through 14. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth, so make for yourself an ark of cypress wood. So God's like, I'm tired of messing with them. I'm tired of this foolish. I'm not going to do it anymore. And God gives him one Instruction, And as you go on to read, God is very exact. I want you to do this, build the ark like this. Can you imagine just, and, and he gets one word. He didn't get a confirmation. He didn't get a brother awesome come in and confirm your word. He didn't play a fleece down. It's wet one moment and dry the next moment. Noah had a word. God spoke to him. And for 100 years, what? 100 years? I'm doing good for 100 days. <laughs> 
Woo, baptize, Father. I mean, think about 21 days of prayer. It's like we get it 21 days. We're like, God, you didn't answer me in 21 days. Can you imagine 100 years? My man, and, and not only this, look, we go out, ain't nobody knows the promise of God. No one knows because he's got to defend it. What you building? I'm building an ark. Why? Because God's going to wipe you out. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Sinners. 100 years. Can you imagine the, the people saying things and mocking him and, oh, it's going to rain. It ain't never rained before. And Noah says, I got a word. What did Noah had? He had a vision. God, I got a vision for what you want me to do. And that vision kept him focused on the promise that God would use that boat to save his family. Vision is powerful. And so many of us live without vision for our life. I love what Chris Widener says. He says, vision is the spectacular that inspires us to carry out the mundane. What do you mean? Well, doing your work gets monotonous and mundane. What do you mean? There and every day you wake up with butterflies saying, oh, I'm going to serve the Lord today. Mm. I mean, no, some days you get up and pray and you're like, God, did you get up? Because I don't feel that you're up this morning. Is it just me? You're like, hey, I get in and I don't feel it. It doesn't seem like everything's going right. But we know this, that it's not about this moment. It's the spectacular. It's the end. It's the, when we get to heaven, my job is not to make you feel good. My job is to let you hear the Lord say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That we had a vision for the future and we were able to keep our life moving through the monotonous and the mundane. Philippians 3.14, and this, I, I love, Paul says, I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I press on. How did you press on, Paul? I had a vision. I had a vision for what? For the heavenly prize that God had before me, that there's something greater than the now, and there's even something greater than anything in this earth, and that is eternity with Jesus, that our eyes could stay focused on eternity, which brings us to the fourth key. It's vision helps you see the potential, not the problem. It's not about the problem. It's the potential. God, it's the what could be. It's the what would you do? God, it's the, it's the hope on the inside of me that where I am is not where I'm going to stay. And if you only see the problem, then you are living the life the enemy wants you to live. I'm reminded of this building, our trustees helped to really lead and guide that whole process. Those are men that helped lead this church. And uh, when we were looking at this building, that's what it looked like. We had, we facilitated um, hurricane relief out of here in 2017. Anybody remember that, hurricane relief? It was awesome. We had over 50 semis, 1.5 or 6 million pounds of goods come in and out of this place to over 400 locations all throughout Southeast Texas. But in that picture, you can see it had been sitting vacant after that. And that picture, put it back up there, was in 2019. We had been driving by this place and looking for a property and a location, and we were saying, God, where do you want us to meet B.F. Terry? Uh, we, you know, we've been, we've been there for many years. It was great. It was awesome. But God, did you want us to buy land, or did you have a building for us? And we realized this was really the only building that was already built for us in Richmond and Rosenberg that was in the right place for us. And we began to pray and ask God. We brought in some consultants 
We began to seek God and pray and bring in the natural people with wisdom. Hey, can this work? Can we fit the people in the building? What about the parking? And an amazing thing happened is we had a choice. Go back to the other picture. We had a choice. We could either focus on that, which is what most people do, right? You ever, you ever been in real estate? Phyllis and I, we, we have some rental properties and places. And I love to be a solution for people who feel like their rental or their homes are dilapidated. It may be run down now, but I know how to fix it. It may not be what you want now, but I know how to get it in a place where it can be functional and livable. And when we drove by this place, it's like, man, I, I think it could be good. I hope it could be good. It's got enough square footage. But is it the right place for us? We could look at the problem or we could look at the solution. And so we brought in an architect and look at what they drew up. We said, hey, can you get enough seats in there? Can you design the parking? Can you make it work for us? And they began to design out this vision for us to see that this location was going to work for us to advance the kingdom of God in this place. And so what was amazing was we had a choice now. Would we focus on all the work that it was going to take this building? The air-conditioned units were not adequate. Electrical was not adequate. Plumbing was not adequate. The roof had to totally be replaced. There was lots of leaks everywhere. The parking lot was insufficient to be able to park us. There were a lot of negative things that we could focus on. And we knew that if we could build a plan, if we had a vision, we could build a plan. So we said, hey, we commissioned them, draw a plan. Draw a vision. Let us see what the possibility of this property could be. And I'll tell you the amazing thing is, I'll never forget standing up and saying, hey guys, this is the potential of where God could call us as a people. And it was amazing how some people who first saw a dilapidated, rundown building that really wasn't much good for much except to be torn down, now they could see that could be a house of worship. That could be a place where I take my kids, my students, my family, that God can move in a supernatural way. They could see see the vision, not of what was, but a vision of where we can go. And here's a beautiful thing about that vision. There were many a days that through the construction process, I don't know if you saw this place, but there was mud everywhere when they tore out all the cement on this side, the inside. It looked many days like, oh my God, this place is a mess. They had jackhammered different parts of the floor out. And, and I'll never forget, there were days I'd come in, I'd be like, this don't, I don't know if we're going to make it. And I'd go back and look at the vision. That vision helped me get through the mess. I'm like, I know it's not very functional right now. I know that it's messy, but at the end of the day, it's not going to stay here. We got a great team that's going to move it forward, and every day, that, that mess got cleaned up and got cleaned up and got cleaned up, and it was one step after another step after another step to finally, almost two years later, we're like, praise God, we're in this amazing building and seeing lives changed. Why? Because of the vision that we had, and I want to encourage you. Some of you came today and you're in the middle of a mess. I want you to know that God is not afraid of your mess. God's not afraid of the situation of wherever it is that you find yourself stuck in. But if you'll get a vision for where God wants you to go, get a vision for what he wants to do in your life, I promise you, you'll be able to move forward, take steps, and keep moving your life in the direction that God has for you. And I want to encourage you with this passage, Philippians 1.6, being confident in this, what? That he who began a good work in you, he will be faithful 
to carry it out until the completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. That God is going to be faithful to finish the work that he began in you. I'm convinced the only way that we fail is when we quit. The only way we fail is if we agree with the vision of the devil for our life. If we say, God, I'm going to get in alignment with you. I'm going to lock my eyes on your vision. And we choose even if you fall down to get back up, you cannot quit. I will not quit. Quitting's not an option. Look, the devil is defeated. And I choose to be a believer that walks in victory. See, devil doesn't win unless you quit. Well, we're not going to quit. We're not going to stop. We're going to choose to discover God's vision for our life and for our future. And we're going to trust him through the entire process. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. This is my prayer as we close. It's just my prayer for you. That the eyes of your heart, they may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope. Everybody say that word together. Hope. To which he's called you. Some of you came in today and you felt hopeless. Can I tell you there's hope? Some of you came in today and you felt stuck and defeated. Can I tell you there's hope? God brought you here. He wants to fill your heart with hope and fill your life with his vision. I don't care what the enemy has tried to do to destroy your life. Yes, I care for where you're at, but I don't care about your mistakes and neither does God. Someone say, well, I'm not worthy. Can I tell you, none of us were worthy. That's the trap of religion. If I do enough good things, I'll never forget I was at a, at a funeral and it was, the priest was saying, hopefully he did enough good things to tip the scales of heaven. And my heart broke. We don't tip the scales of heaven. Jesus is the only way that scale gets tipped. And it's the blood of work of the cross. And that's the reason that we are assured salvation is because we put our trust in Christ alone to save us, not because of the works that we do. You will never be good enough. I will never be good enough. We are sinners in need of a Savior. Stand up with me. Father, we worship you.